My name is Linda Williams, and this is Reality Skimming. Welcome to part five of book one, the Okorel Saga. In the last couple of episodes, we met Vaughn, who has a scary and negative relationship with someone called Leash Hughes. We saw Vaughn and Leash Hughes's wife, Anatolia, anxious about their order to report to the Royal Gora Ralpole. Avidelm is like the emperor of the Sevalite world, and he has recently found out that his lover, Anatolia, uh, was tutored by Vaughn to become accomplished in that role and therefore able to win her way into his circle and get her husband appointed Liege of Blue Delm. Now we are going to meet that husband, Liege Harath, one of the villains of the piece, but for very different reasons than some of the other villains. He's, as you will see, someone who is feeling very much entitled. And the title of the chapter here is Chapter 3, Admiral of a Single Ship. Liege Harath waited in a crowded antechamber of the Avis Palace to be admitted to Delm's presence. It was not the sort of treatment he had come to expect as the Admiral of Blue Dem. He was getting worried by the time the Royal Gorrelpul, a fat, ugly creature named Ballas, emerged through the double doors of the Avis inner sanctum and padded over to him, brimming with smiles. Ah, the blue admiral, said Ballas, squeezing Harath's meaty hand. Resplendent as usual, he commented on Harath's elaborate garb. The winged collar of his admiralty cape jutted higher than liege nursles, and he wore more jewels than a golden prince. It was questionable whether his sword could be drawn. It was so heavily encrusted with diamonds. Trying not to think about Ballas, who always made him nervous, Harath swept on in the direction of the Blackwood Room, where the Ava held audience with important visitors. Wait, Ballas called him back. When he had Harath's attention, he gestured toward an ominous black opening in the far wall. The Ava is in the lobby below, he tipped his head amused. But I trust the laurel stairs will be endurable for you. Harath scowled at the insult. Great pilots couldn't walk the laurel stairs, or so said the superstitious fools who claimed the stairs played tricks with the Sevalite's piloting talent. But Harath didn't believe tall tales about soul-twisting walls able to fuel themselves on the souls they drove mad. The historical truth was more palatable. The laurels built both the stairs and the reception room, known as the flashing floor, as hazards to disconcert crazed attackers trying to storm the Ava's seat of power. It was possible they had been more formidable in the days of their creators nearly a millennia ago, but they were tame now. 
In her rath's experience, the walls of the laurel stairs were black at first, but warmed to starscapes whenever you let your eyes linger. Nothing more. Of course, if you feel it necessary to go around, Ballas invited. Going around would require exiting the palace to re-enter on a lower level. Merely agreeing to do such a thing was to concede status. No, indeed, Harath rebuffed the Gorarelpul's smirking solicitude, set his big square jaw, and took the stairs boldly, with no ill effects at all. Nothing but a parlor Turk, he told himself, feeling heartened. At the bottom, two of Delm's paladins confronted him with raised swords. Both of them were gorgeously golden men, with pale blue eyes and yellow braids coiled around their heads. Paladins hailed from the golden heartland of Demora, which was mighty now only in legend, but still extended its artistic influence over the Silver Demish in particular. Blue Demish, Herath liked to think, had more confidence in their own aesthetics. Herath wasn't worried about the honor guard's raised swords. It was all for show. Ballas padded down the stairs after Herath and wove around him from behind to bow in a quick, economical manner to the paladins. Garn Herath, Admiral of Blue Delm. Ballas announced him to the visions of manly beauty, so opposite to him in appearance. The paladins put away their swords in golden sheaths. The twin rasping sounds made almost musical by their precision of execution. His divinity is expecting you, intoned the nearest paladin, down speaking Harath more than their respective birth ranks entitled him to. But that was nothing new. Paladins served Delm in a religious capacity, which used its own uniquely golden Demish rules of grammar. The paladins swung aside to escort Herath and Ballas into their idol's presence. Avadelm stood on the far side of a grand hall, beside a jeweled throne, having just finished standing for a portrait. A freshly planted lawn spread before his feet, strewn with tiny, blue flowers. At its center a cascade of water pumped through an artfully constructed crag to fill an artificial pond in which a pair of pretty children played in wading clothes, trying to look natural. Musicians were just visible behind a screen of shrubs, and the nerve cloth lining of the ceiling displayed a convincing simulation of a summer's day. Delm himself was the ultimate ornament. His face was exquisite, if a little marred, by its superior expression. He was dressed in long, flowing robes, wreathed in an exceedingly rare collar of cat fur. Cats were now extinct within the Empire, and had been prized possessions even in centuries when they could be purchased, sterilized, from laurel breeders. Delm had golden tresses, worn long in the Demoran style, in defiance of court fashions, where a man with long hair was assumed to be some sort of entertainer. Delm's sapphire-blue eyes pleased Hareth more than his golden hair, because they reflected Delm's blue-demish heritage. His father had been the last blue-demish pureblood, 
a fact Hareth considered more important than the heritage bequeathed him by his golden mother. Beauty was one such maternal gift. But Hareth was but Vaughn was Hareth's antidote to any spell Delm's good looks cast on him. Vaughn's face had the same sculpted lines, and his eyes, although grey, the same crystal bright clarity. Most of all, his Vaughn possessed a physical vitality that would have made him blaze in the sort of clothes Delm wore, not merely glow decorously. Delm remained on his feet until Hareth and Ballas reached his dais, and he sunk into his jeweled throne, looking as if the mere prospect of dealing with them tired him. Dear Master, Ballas said, I bring you your very own personal admiral and captain of the Vanilla Rose, as requested. Hareth. Delm revived enough to glance at his visitor. Ah, yes. He tipped his golden head to a waiting page. Fetch Master Lauren. Hareth flinched at the name of Delm's number one paladin. Do not worry, Delm teased, aware of Hareth's discomfort. Lauren has no quarrel with you. The way he put the emphasis on Lauren's name suggested someone else did, causing Hareth's thoughts to churn fruitlessly. Lauren entered through one of the doors behind the throne, approaching Delm, and knelt to execute a ritual of reverence. In the middle of it, Dem appeared to be bored, rose and stepped down from the dais to look at the latest portrait of himself, in which he stood languidly contemplating a songbird perched on his raised hand. What do you think? Delm asked Hareth, ignoring Lauren as the paladin humbly accepted the truncation of his devotions. Is it me to the soul? Nothing can capture you, Hareth assured Delm. In this case, it was literally true. The picture portrayed someone meltingly kind, which was not Delm by any stretch of the imagination. Delm waved the painting away, saying, Dispose of it. Please, Laren interjected, rushing forward, let me have it, rather than destroy even an imperfect likeness, for it cannot help but be less than the original. You may have it if you like, of course, Delm said and sighed. Perhaps I will never find the artist who can capture the essence of my kindness and compassion. Malice, he concluded in a stronger voice, clear out the ornaments. This included the children and musicians. Delm retired to his throne, permitting Laren to organize his robes. These kind of personal attentions often made Hareth wonder if the paladins loved Delm in the same way he loved Vaughn, whether or not they admitted it even to themselves. He had never found any evidence to prove his suspicions, but he had once witnessed something nearly as good as Delm's paladins turning out to be Boisla. He had seen an angry liege nursel of Blackhearth slay two paladins one after the other on the octagon. Since this took place shortly before Liege Nursel left court, no doubt there was more to it than showed on the surface. But the memory of seeing boastful paladins go down before a better sword could always warm Hareth's heart when one of them bullied him. 
Tell my admiral of your plan, Delm instructed Laren, when the room had been cleared of children and musicians. The master paladin stepped forward. Admiral Hareth of the Blue Delm, Laren accosted him. It will be your honor to seek justice in the name of the divine beauty of soul who is our idol. He who is called Delm, son of the sacrifice and grandson of the golden emperor. And liege of blue Delm, Hareth thought sourly, not to mention Ava of the empire. No matter how little he cared for Delm personally, or for that matter, the empire, he was irked by how the Goldens discounted all but Delm's descent from their sacred ruling family when praising him. This is your mission in the service of divine goodness, Laren droned on in typical windy style for a paladin. You will take the vanilla rose to killing reach to reclaim the world of Barmy too, unlawfully taken from the blessed Avadelm by Perry Dar, the blue Demish rebel, assisted by the golden prince to Ander. Hareth's ears rang with the sudden rush of blood to his head. What? he spluttered. He shook his head, trying to believe he hadn't heard correctly. T take Barmy too back? Master Lauren folded bare, muscular arms over his soft tunic. Exactly. B but but it's impossible, Hareth blurted, too startled to be wary. Even with a real fleet, it would be hard. I have one ship. And Vanilla Rose isn't even outfitted like a regular battle wheel. It's, it's used for royal tours and, and parties. Hareth appealed to Delm in desperation. The relish endorsed Perry's bastard daughter by Deander as a gift child empowered to hold title. We could bring Liege Nursel himself down on us, and Vret Lavrel, and even Monitum. You will not, of course, attack openly, said Laren. You will instead find a way to learn the killing jump, defeat whatever Rishans interfere with you on the other side of it, and harass Peridar and her treasonous rebels from your base in Rishan territory. Rishans, Hareth choked, well versed in the stories surrounding the killing war. Dark-skinned and soulless, the Rishans did not abide by the rules of war. They destroyed stations rather than meeting in honorable combat, poisoned food, spread disease, destroyed habitable territories, and were the personification of every Ocalany evil. You need not worry about finding them, said Lauren. Trinket Ring Station in Killing Reach has been trading with Rishans and is willing to be reasonable. The station master has already arranged a meeting with a Rishan representative. Your job is to convince the Rishan pilot to take you back with him through the jump, then take over a station on the Rishan side and use it as a base for harassing the Purple Alliance. Even with only the Vanilla Rose, the Rishans shouldn't give you much trouble. They are only commoners. A vague memory of an Okal Lumen's leader supporting Perry Dar after the mutiny stirred Hareth's hopes. But, but, but didn't the golden soul of Orchard? Delm is a soul of light, Laren thundered, as if any idiot would know the difference and grasp whatever this proved. 
Hareth blinked, wondering how they had strayed into such strangeness and how he was going to get out of it. Delm took up the narrative. There is one tiny problem, he told Hareth, with the appearance of sympathy. It seems you will have to take on the role of Liege Monitum, since the Rhesians have asked for him explicitly. I expect they trust the Monities because their ruling family already knows the killing jump and have since the killing war. He frowned. Much use they have made of it. So, Delm resumed with more vigor, since I cannot imagine my dear, devoted vassal Daimon being cooperative, Delm delivered these particular endearments with pure venom, you are going to be Liege Monitum for me to dupe the Rhesians. You have always wanted to rise at court. You should be very happy. Be Liege Monitum, squeaked Tereth, grasping at straws, but, but I, I don't look frellish. They're Rhesians, Delm dismissed the objection. How will they know? Killing reaches is full of hazards, Hareth protested. He swallowed hard to combat the panic tightening his stomach. Everyone who is forced to flee civilization for Ocalany behavior winds up there. Laren was nodding impatiently. Yes, yes, he said, and lowered his arms to his sides again, squaring himself up impressively. All the more reason to be quick about tricking the Rhesians into teaching you the jump, so you can base yourself in their territory. Wonderful, isn't it? Delm put in brightly. And just when Vanilla Rose seemed such a failure. <clears throat> Prince Hughes of Silverhearth had recently put a stop to Delm's extravagant spending on the flagship's luxurious interior, much to Delm's displeasure. It was the next biggest quarrel between Delm and his silver demish minder after his affair with Hareth's wife, Anatolia. You are expected at the rendezvous in ten hours, said Laren. With a grim look of soldierly solidarity, he added, I wish I was going with you. Y you mean you're not? Hareth whimpered. I'm going by myself? With without a highborn? Laren can't be spared, Delm apologized. Now, do you have any questions, my lord admiral? He inquired sweetly. Yes! Hareth thought sickly, what have I done to deserve exile? But he said, no. Good, Delm exclaimed, getting up. Let me walk you to the door then, as a kindness. Hareth was so terrified when the Abba actually put his arm across his shoulders like a friend that he could not even produce any drivel about being honoured. Lauren withdrew. Ballas trotted ahead to wait for them by the door to the lower status exit on the far side of the laurel stairs, which seemed a long way off across the manicured green lawn. I am told, Delm confided, that you are going to be a father. Hareth stopped cold, his heart all but failing. It is all right, my dear Admiral, Delm scoffed at him, clapping his shoulder. You need not worry. Oh, I confess at first I was upset to know I was sharing her. He smiled with indulgence. But she is your wife, after all, and in any case I was getting bored of our sweet Anatolia. Hareth's chest tightened. 
The affair had been his major in with Delm, and its success, the culmination of Vaughn's many small intelligences, passed on from the bedrooms of neglected Demish wives and discarded mistresses. The child is, of course, yours, Delm remarked, and hesitated for effect, as if thinking. Unless it is true what Anatolius says about you. Majesty? Hareth stuttered, thinking of the Avis Square, where he had seen at least one man sheath whipped to death for being boyslaw. Delm leaned his golden head closer. Anatolia said, you were impotent. Impotent! Hareth boiled beneath Delm's gloating solicitude, but relief was still his dominant emotion. So, if it is not you, and it is not me, Delm was saying. He dropped his voice conspiratorially. You see, I take the laurel drug, Fernie, to make sure there are not any mm, accidents. Of course, immortality, Hareth mumbled. You know who the father must be then, Delm sailed on. I, I do, Hareth asked, still stunned. Your little informant, said Delm. The sword dancer. Vaughn, I believe he's called. Hareth's throat locked up. Apparently your wife is not the only woman who has suffered a surprise of this sort, Delm went on. There was a certain Husian widow named Haran who appealed to Silverhearth for assistance obtaining an abortion on the grounds the sire was a commoner, but unfortunately nobody believed her. The woman was notorious for taking lovers, and she had to take care of it herself. But it is time, I think, to determine if this Vaughn is really fertile. He made a fluttering gesture with loose figures, as a service to his other hapless female clients. Oh, and, and wouldn't it be delightful if he proves to be the one responsible for Lavrell's stomach? The thought brought tears to Delm's eyes. The look on Daimon's face when he found out his precious heir-to-be was not his nephew's would be worth the tiny sting of insult Anatolia has done me by consorting with this sword dancer. They had reached the door where Ballas waited, making it possible for Delm to appeal to his Gorrelpul for a second opinion. Is it possible, do you think, Ballas? Could a frellish highborn conceive by a commoner? Most unlikely, your immortal majesty, Ballas admitted sadly. It would be rich, though, <laughs> Delm giggled. Poor Daimon, so fixated on his precious heir. Oh well, he became brisk. I have assured Anatolia she will have proof I am not the only possible father. I want to be sure both of you know exactly whose child you are going to raise as your own. My master wishes Anatolia Hareth to pay for her error in judgment by burying the inferior child of a sword dancer, explained Ballas. And we will, of course, inform Vaughn's other clients. There will be some satisfaction in ruining Daimon's woman, Eva, whether he cares or not. Hreth was having trouble catching all the malice in the revelations Ballas and his bondmaster, the Ava, were pouring out for his inspection, 
because he was getting off more lightly than he feared he would. He had lost his trump card at court with Anatolia's fall from Delm's favor, but he was not being stripped of rank, only sent on this punitive crazy mission. Del might even take him back into his favor if he accomplished its bizarre objectives, and Del knew nothing important about Vaughn, only the bits to do with Anatolia. Areth himself was safe from suspicion of his greatest crimes. Ballas stayed by Hareth's side when the door to the Ava's improvised indoor garden was closed. There are one or two things, the Corralpool said, tapping his pudgy fingers together, that still leave me feeling unsatisfied. What? Hareth barked, feeling breathless again in an instant. Jarl, your captain of errant, said Ballas. He used to have some very unsavory connections in the underdocks. He might have worked there, selling children, perhaps. I once suspected Vaughn might have come from the underdocks. Reth's throat was too tight to swallow. Hmm? was all he could say, trying hard to look innocent. But, Ballas said with regret, boys who served such purposes could hardly pass inspection at Dan Eva's. Sevalites do not fancy courtesans with unsightly scars, so Vaughn might indeed have been a peasant child from your home estate, as Anatolia told Eva, a boy whose exceptional good looks gained your wife's attention. You might, you know, have seen such proclivities as a warning sign. Once again, Hareth began to relax. I um, really thought it was just, as she said, that she had him over now and then to um, direct her ladies in some dramas. Of course, Ballas soothed, and who can blame her, given your unfortunate problem? He smiled as Hareth's face grew red. But the question remains of why exactly Vaughn should help you and your wife by divulging secrets learned from clients. A nasty business using a courtesan as a spy. Not the sort of thing people expect of a place with a reputation as impeccable as Denevis. What control do you have over him? Loyalty? A thin reed to rely upon. Payment, perhaps. But always vulnerable to a higher offer. Threats? I can well imagine someone who depends on his good looks for his livelihood might be afraid to spend an hour alone with Jarl. What hold exactly do you have over Vaughn? Hareth managed to wet his lips, terrified Ballas might be on to him and desperate to seem honest. Vaughn has a family back home, he improvised. Peasant farmers. Ah, said Ballas, well... You might think of sending him back there fast. Except, of course, his mouth spread in an insincere smile. Vaughn's escape would ruin Delm's fun. He wants to see Vaughn wind up whoring in the underdocks or something worse. Pity, really. Such a beautiful and talented young man. But you're best off just letting it happen. Y yes, Hareth stammered. Good. Ballas smiled and patted Hareth's shoulder. Anything else I should know about the situation? No, nothing, Hareth assured him, fear and outrage making a muddle of his frayed composure. All right, then, have a productive voyage, he said, and added with a smirk, Admiral of Blue Dem. 
Harath stood fidgeting a moment after Balas left him, then fled through the rooms and hallways of the lower palace onto the plaza on the roof of the citadel. <clears throat> he found his men where he had left them, enjoying drinks and conversation at an open-air bar. All that is, except Jarl. Where is my captain of errants? Harath demanded, as if Jarl's absence was a surprise. Sir! A young, blonde, and blue-eyed hand leader saluted. He said he was going. He said the boy looked acutely uncomfortable. Joel went to look up his old haunts in the underdock, said a veteran. Damn him, Harath exploded, exchanging his admiralty regalia for a plain traveling cloak. Are you going to fetch Jarl back, the boy asked, alone? The underdocks are not something I want to expose any of you to, Harath said enjoying the boy's look of admiration, and set off briskly before any of his crewmen could volunteer to come along. And that's all for this reading.